0: Hello, and welcome to the eighth episode of Daybreak, the best place for you to get your weekly news and opinions. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader, and today we'll be shining a spotlight on listener Eleanor Winkelwagner and what she's doing during this period, and also we will share a bit of the live interview hosted on May 3rd with O.T. Haley Manley and Dr. Toby Campbell. Also, after announcement break, a news tidbit on a creative circus on wheels, bringing joy to families in New Orleans, quarantining, and throughout the world. Now, let's get on with the show. Now, on to our spotlight. This week, we are spotlighting Eleanor Winkle-Wagner, a 6th grader at Hamilton. Eleanor says that she's been playing outside a lot, playing games, and doing doing gymnastics in the grass she has also been playing basketball going on nature walks and writing a weekly quarantine song with her family she tries to finish her schoolwork every day before too and wants to tell everyone that she wishes you are safe healthy and to have a great day thanks so much eleanor <music> On May 3rd, me and my editor and um, co-host, Bryn Campbell, both were able to interview two amazing people. One is named um, Haley Manley. She is an occupational therapist, and the other is Toby Campbell, and he is a doctor. They both work locally in Madison, Wisconsin, if that is local from where you are right now. And they talked a little bit more about how COVID-19 is affecting them. So we were able to ask them some questions, me and Bryn were, and then we also opened up the floor to some cool listener questions. So the listeners really uncovered some stuff that I didn't really think about, and we got some really good ones, good questions, and very interesting answers that I really didn't know about before, so I really, I would, that was, like, really cool. It was a good first step into live interviews, which was, it was kind of hard, but I mean, anything that you're starting is. So I really appreciated everyone who was able to attend that and who was able to ask questions. So on the show today, um, we will only have a 20-minute segment of it because the actual interview was 45 minutes, but we also have a bonus episode above this one that has the entire interview if you just want to skip to that one listen to the entire thing. Pause this and then come back to this and listen to the rest of the episode. So uh, it depends on how long you're willing to listen to the um, interview, but I think it's worth it the entire time because it is so good. I learned so much more, and I really, I really think it was, a, it was a learning experience for every, every aspect of it, especially with COVID-19. So um, that is really great, and I'm looking forward to do another one of those Facebook Lives sometime in the future. Okay, here's the interview. Hi, I'm Pippa Strader, and this is Bryn Campbell. Welcome to the Daybreak Live interview. Thank you all for attending.
1: Today, we are interviewing Dr. Toby Campbell and occupational therapist, Haley Manley. This interview is special since all of you listeners will ask the questions. The first, okay, let's get started with some
0: more questions. By asked by us, then we'll open the floor up to some of your
1: questions. (laughs) Okay, so for our first question, Haley, I know that you've just started working. So, Dr. Toby, how is a regular day during this pandemic different from a regular day um, without COVID 19?
2: That is a great question. You know, it is so different and it is different in many ways, but The most obvious difference is that there are relatively fewer people coming to the hospital. So the parking lot is empty and the cafeteria is empty um, because just people who work there and patients are there. When I go to see a patient in the clinic, they're by themselves, whereas normally they have family members with them. So that's the thing that I notice the most is the lack of people visiting. And it's really hard actually on Patients and families as well because families want to be there visiting when their loved one has Mm. something serious going on, but they're unable to. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So Haley, tell us what your job is like and how it relates to COVID-19. Yeah, so I'm an occupational therapist.
3: Um, A lot of people don't know what OTs do. I like to Mm -hmm. describe them as kind of a cousin to physical therapy, um, but looking at occupations as our daily activities. So I work in an acute care setting in the hospital. So really looking at making sure that patients are able to be as independent and safe as possible in their daily activities of living. So getting up and down from your toilet, being able to take a shower, getting dressed, those types of things.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um, then- um, how, do you, how do both of you balance your outside life and your work life?
2: Do you want to take that one?
1: Sure. Well, this is my first full-time job, so that's right. very
3: exciting, and while I'm working full-time for the first time, it's it's kind of different because I don't have homework and other jobs, so it's actually been kind of nice. I feel like I have more free time, so I've been able to spend a lot of time with my family, walks, oh, <laughs> not much else to do currently, um, but it's has
2: You know, for me, Brynn, family time has been good in a way that is strange because lots of your activities and your sister and your brother's activities have either been canceled or changed. And what that has meant is that we are much more likely to have dinner as a family together at home in the evening. We're much more likely to go for a walk after dinner. Um, So family time is even more important than ever before just because of the added strain and stress of this whole pandemic. And I think um, those are some of the things that I've noticed.
0: Mm, Yeah. That is awesome. So what is a misconception of COVID-19 that you want to clear up?
2: I think perhaps the most common misconception that people have is that if they get it, it's going to be terrible and they're going to die. Um, We know that most people who develop infection with COVID-19 actually are fine. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're so fine they don't even know that they had it. And that's most people. So I want to reassure everyone that um, if you were to develop this infection, most likely you'll be fine. Most likely the people that you love will be fine. Some people have um, symptoms and it's scary and only a small percentage of people get really sick or die. Um, And some some people do get really sick and some people die, but most people are fine. That's, I think, the biggest misconception I see.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, I know a lot of us probably are wondering this. What does COVID 19 stand for?
2: Whoa.
1: Why is it called COVID 19?
2: Okay, so this virus has a few different names. It is a coronavirus, that's the <clears throat> molecular structure of the virus itself. It's oh. a ball with a bunch of spikes on the outside called mm-hmm. a coronavirus. So the CO in COVID-19 comes from Corona. Okay. Um, the V is virus. And the 19 is because in the year 2019 is when this virus developed. That was when we first noticed it. It has another name too, which is SARS-CoV-2, which sometimes you will see. So you'll sometimes see people refer to it as just coronavirus and sometimes um, COVID-19 and sometimes SARS-CoV-2. All those names are, um, in this case, synonymous with this particular disease that's causing this pandemic.
0: How does um, SARS-CoV two have to do with coronavirus? Also, I'm kind of I'm, I haven't heard that one yet, so that that's kind of interesting.
2: Well, so you may have heard of other um, viral outbreaks called SARS or MERS. Mm-hmm. These are just um, other ways that World Health, the World Health Organization, and other organizations describe. The illness. So it's just as if I guess, um, you know, you Pippa, have your name that's your regular name and you might have a nickname that people call you at school and maybe your mom and dad even have a nickname for you. They're mm-hmm. all talking about you but just different nicknames and so in different yeah. circumstances people use different names for the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So now we're going to open the floor for some listener questions. So if anyone has questions, you can comment them in the chat box on the side. So it looks like our first question is from John Schrader, and um, he's asking, in this time of COVID-19, what is the largest challenge you both face in the work you do? I think for me, so I'm going
3: into patients' rooms that are having physical ailments or illnesses, Mm. and I think it's a spooky time to be in the hospital as well. I am coming in with a face mask and a face shield, and people can't have the visitors and family members that they usually have in the hospital. So I think we're seeing an increase in um, challenges with our mental health as well, um, as that correlates with our physical health while we're in Mm. the hospital. So being able to address both of those things while trying to get people out of the hospital as soon as possible has been fairly challenging.
2: For me, Bren, the hardest part, and John, the hardest part is taking care of people who can't be in the same room with their family because visitation is restricted as well as Haley was just saying. So I take care of people who are seriously ill. Something is really wrong and sometimes they are dying, not actually usually from COVID, but from just normal things like cancer or other things that threaten people's lives. And it's really hard when they can't have visitors. i um, on my way home today before this interview, I was talking with a family on the phone who would really like to be in the room with their loved one, and we would have been talking face to face, but we couldn't. And so I talked to them on the phone. Earlier today, I was meeting with a young patient of mine whose room happens to look out on the parking garage. And so her family drove uh, from uh, Illinois where they live to, uh, and they drove up to the top of the parking ramp and they got out of their car and they were waving and she was in her room waving back. And it was, you know, heartwarming but also heartbreaking that they um, couldn't be like together in the same room.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it looks like Cassidy Bailey is asking, should someone avoid the hospital if they're feeling ill?
2: No, you should go to the hospital if you're feeling sick. Actually, the hospital, to be honest, is a pretty safe place. They're doing lots and lots of things, regardless of what hospital you're going to. They're doing things to try to let COVID into the hospital, people with COVID into the hospital in a controlled way, meaning we know when they have it so that we can do the things we need to do to protect everyone from catching it. Uh, But they are cleaning surfaces and everybody's got masks and actually, It's a pretty overall safe place to be, and definitely, if you're feeling sick, uh, you should go to the hospital.
0: Yeah, as well as cleaning surfaces and doing stuff with or and using masks. What else are you doing with the hospital?
2: Or trying to keep it safe. Yes. we are we doing it at the hospital and set it for ourselves? <clears throat> yeah,
3: even as employees, whenever we enter the building, we have to be wearing a mask to enter the building. And they're asking us screening questions to make sure we're self monitoring for symptoms. And they just started actually taking our temperature every time we go into the hospital. So they're making sure that we're as safe as possible so we aren't getting sick, but also spreading that sickness to our patients. Yes,
1: yes. Okay, um, so next question. Looks like Samantha Johnson is asking, many healthcare workers are choosing to wear head covers. Does COVID-19 live on your hair?
2: You know, that is the first time I've been asked that specific question. So let me just generalize to say this virus can survive on surfaces and your hair is a surface. So I would imagine that if a if you know if someone who was infect- infected with covid-19 coughed on you for example and got it on your hair they would have to do something like that they would literally have to like cough on you and get it on your hair so probably um that's really unlikely to happen but i suppose it could survive for a short period of time we know that the sun um is quite quickly lethal to virus on surfaces so probably if you were to know, even walk out to the car and have even just a minute of sun on your head would probably kill the virus. So I suppose it's theoretically possible, but highly unlikely that you would have virus on your hair. Mm
3: -hmm. We were actually suggested not to wear head coverings um, at our hospital because one of the most likely chances of getting that infection is when you're taking off your PPE or doffing your PPE. And that's another thing that you have to take off so you can transmit it to yourself as well. So we were actually recommended not to, but those recommendations are changing every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so um, Kathy Manley along with that is asking, are you seeing any uh, shortages, shortages of PPE in your facilities?
2: Yeah, let me extend just slightly, because what Haley was saying is really important, that there's two things you're doing when you're protecting yourself. You're putting on protective gear, and then you're taking it off. And it's the taking off, actually, that's harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, we have plenty right now of protective equipment. We are um, doing the things that we're supposed to do with reusing them in safe ways, re-sterilizing them so that they can be reused. So, right now at our local hospital, we have enough equipment um, and we're doing things to make sure that it lasts for much longer than it might otherwise last. Um, there are, that may not be the case at other hospitals for sure, because the equipment overall has been limited, but everybody is trying to make it last. I may not have answered the question, but.
1: Okay, um, next question. Um, Tom Lifeite is asking. <laughs> Dr. Toby Campbell, have you been cutting your own hair?
2: Oh, you know, this is uh, one of the things that sometimes you have to do when you have too much hair, you need less of it. So yeah, I wonder what, (laughs) I wonder what you all could make a comment about what you think. Uh, A a self haircut. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So um, Ginger Schrader is asking, what temperature reading would be considered a red alert when you enter the hospital?
2: So a fever. Um, For most definitions of fever, is anything higher than 100.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.3 degrees Celsius.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, So Amber Lifelight is asking, what kind of protective gear do you have and do you have enough of it? This was sort of already asked, but.
2: Yeah. I guess I would extend it to say that you get fitted for these protective masks. You have to go and um, try on different ones and see which ones actually protect you appropriately. So everybody looks a little different because there actually are a number of different um, types of equipment and they fit different body shapes and body sizes. So you might see people with a full on hood and a respirator thing. You might see people with different kinds of masks. So yeah, there actually are a variety of different Um, pieces of equipment, barrier protection devices. And so people look different. They don't all look the same.
3: And regardless if somebody is actually testing positive for COVID-19, we are using PPE for all of our patients in the hospital. So every room I go into, I have that face mask and face shield on, and that's not only to protect them, but also to protect me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it looks like Cassidy Bailey is also asking, what types of things should we be doing at home to stay as healthy as possible?
2: What that one? Sure. What's that? Sure, yeah.
3: Uh, I think a big part of that is maintaining our physical health but also maintaining our mental health. Um, So taking the time for self-care is what we like to do and what we enjoy to do, um, as well as making sure we're trying to get some exercise, Eat as healthy as we can. All those basics as well.
2: Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And specific to the virus, um, it's about your hands. So keeping your hands clean. Um, I, You've seen me adjust my glasses and itch my eye, just wash my hands right before sitting down. So I feel good about that. But I actually am really intentional about washing my hands prior to touching my face. So if you can do those things, I think you are doing what you can to keep yourself safe. The policy approaches where you know for the governor for example asking you to stay home in your state or local officials asking you to stay home in your state is really just a fairly blunt tool to try to diminish the spread of the virus. It's blunt because it's not specific at all right it affects everyone. Ideally you would just have the people who had the virus stay home. The problem is we don't know who has it and who doesn't because so many people are asymptomatic and we haven't to this point had enough testing to test lots and lots of people. So we don't have a great sense of who has it and who doesn't, and that's why all of us have had to stay home. But I think that is another thing that we are doing to keep yourself safe, which is to, you know, all these measures that you're taking, staying six feet away from people and wearing a mask, and those are also important.
1: Okay, Um, Hadley Johnson wants to know if she should be scared of people wearing masks.
2: No, you don't need to be scared of people wearing masks. Everybody really is gonna be wearing masks in public and when they're in groups of people for honestly for a long time, probably, I don't know, I'm gonna guess, probably a year.
0: Hmm. Okay, sounds good. So Colleen Johnson is also asking, what are some ways we can support healthcare workers like yourselves?
2: Well, actually just some of the things that happen on, so I walk to work and I pass signs Mm -hmm. that say, thank you healthcare workers or things like that. I pass chalk drawings that say things Mm -hmm. like that. And I notice them and it does make me feel good. And it's really nice. Um, Colleen Johnson, the person asking this question has actually taken additional steps. She has sent Girl Scout cookies to the hospital. And I can tell you that Little things like that make a great deal of difference too. I think (laughs) perhaps the greatest thing you could do is, is the expression of gratitude, whether that is through a little sign or through just a small gesture. I don't think it needs to be any grand gesture. Um, I think that it makes us all feel like people notice that we're putting ourselves to a degree in harm's way. Um, And and yeah, for me, that's what, that's what I would say.
1: Okay, Kathy Manley is asking, do healthcare workers have access to testing for COVID, both themselves and patients?
3: Yes, Um, employees at UW have been able to receive test results fairly quickly as well. And I think right now, all of our patients who are admitted are either receiving tests if they're undergoing procedures or surgeries, um, and those are actually being turned over pretty quickly. So we'll know within a couple of hours if they're testing negative or positive.
2: Yeah, lately, we have a lot more testing, agreed. Um, More than 2,000 UW Health, where we work, employees have been tested. Um, The last number that I heard, which was late last week, was that 47 had tested positive. None of them had, to the best of our knowledge, Con- contracted the disease from their patients, meaning that the disease was transmitted out in the community, which also means that we're doing a good job with the protective equipment, that transmission from patient to doctor or healthcare provider is not happening. Um, and, well, for, yeah, so yes, lots of tests. And, okay, so here's another thing you're going to start to see there are tests to um, ask the question Do you currently have the infection? Then there's a separate set of tests that are going to be called antibody tests that you'll start seeing more and more about these because there were recently some tests that were FDA approved. These are seeking to ask the question, have you had the infection in the past? They're quite different tests. The test that says, do you have it now, is very accurate. It's very rarely incorrect. These antibody tests are variable. Some of them are quite good. Some of them are not great. when they're not great, they give you what's called a false positive, meaning they say you've had the infection, but you haven't actually. It might be getting a false positive because you've had another kind of coronavirus infection, and that's what's, um, those antibodies are in your blood, and that's what the test is, is detecting. So these tests are new, and the whole world really is still learning about how reliable they are. Um, But UW Health started testing or offering antibody testing to employees to try to get a sense of who maybe has had the infection. Um, And they did a lot of homework to pick the best test, the one that's the most accurate. But even then, there's some uncertainty around how many false positives there might be. Mm.
0: Mm. Thank you again to Toby Campbell and Haley Manley for letting us interview them. On this live interview featured this week, and to Bryn Campbell, who was my co-interviewer. Also, a very, very big shout out to give to all those people who came and attended, or asked questions in advance, and let me read them on the show. Also, if you want to actually listen to the rest of this, it's going to be in the bonus episode above this episode. So just click on that, and you'll get the rest of that interview. Support for this show comes from D&M Graphic Novel Library. D&M Graphic Novel Library is a library subscription service for kids, teens, and maybe even adults, too, who love graphic novels. This is going to be a summer subscription service that costs $7 a month and will be graphic novels delivered to your door every single week. Sounds pretty cool. Make sure to wait for details on this show. So stay tuned. Thanks, and now back to the show. Hi, and welcome back to Daybreak. During this time, have you ever felt like you needed something funny, something laughable to cheer you up? Well, in New Orleans, Clay Mazing has took to the streets with a ambulance, an ambulance turned into a stage and a storage space for all the materials he uses, to bring that needed happiness into people's lives with a one-man traveling circus. This is how it works. It's best to call 1-now-circus-1 and request a performance by leaving a message. Also, make sure to mention if you actually live in New Orleans, or if you don't, what time would be best for a virtual visit. These circograms, as Clay calls them, are free, but a donation to his PayPal is always welcomed after his spectacular 15-minute performances. The best thing about it, though, is that Clay is no boring act. His performance consists of daring knife juggling, bullwhip tricks, other spectacular moves, and the message that we're all superheroes during this time in our own way. It's an inspirational show about believing in yourself and your abilities to become a superhuman. Claymazing had explained in an interview with Ripley's Believe It or Not. Circagrams are for kids and adults who need a little extra excitement to blast away the mental health issues that come with boredom and uncertainty. These good deeds in the form of circus stunts didn't just start this year. In fact, they were started in 2012 by Claymazing himself and have been entertaining people in all sorts of countries. From the Syrian refugee camps in Jordan to people hit by the Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, to families in California who were affected by the recent fires last year. These people have br- brought joy to everyone. The original troupe actually included several other performances, who shared Clay vi- Clay's vision for bringing joy to the under everywhere. But the circagram is honoring social distancing, and Jess Clay will be perform- performing some amazing acts to people during this time. Good things can come in small packages, but if Clay and his team have taught us anything, it can come in shazambulances, too. Hi, and this is Pippa from Daybreak. Thanks so much for everyone from to listening to the show, and to Eleanor Winkle-Wagner, who was our spotlight. Toby, Haley, Bryn, and everyone who listened to our Facebook Live for all of that great work everyone did and also i want to just give a little shout out to all the other workers out there who are dealing with covid 19 right now whether you are a mailman or you're restocking shelves or you are like sort of like toby or Haley, working in medical um health and care for different people who are sick with it so uh, i wanted to give a big shout out to all of you everyone who i mentioned and um pippa Signing off.